church. We are again in Matthew chapter 18. Please stand with me. I've been longing to say it with me as I read Matthew 18 verses 21 and 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus answered unto him, I say unto thee, not until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Thank you. You may be seated. We are looking at forgiveness this morning. I heard a story. There was a preacher who was preaching a sermon on forgive your enemies. Forgive your enemies. And so about halfway through his sermon, he stopped. He said, I want everybody who has an enemy to raise your hand. Will everybody in the church raise their hand except for one old lady? And so he pointed her out. He said, so you don't have any enemies? She said, no, I don't. The preacher said, well, how old are you? She said, I'm 95 years old. And the preacher says, you're 95 and you don't have any enemies? She said, no, I don't. He said, how can that be? She said, because I outlived them all. (laughs) Let's look this morning at forgiveness. First of all, by way of introduction, I usually tell you about the Greek or Hebrew, but today I want to talk about English. Where we get that English word forgive, it comes from uh, two roots. The first one is for. For means completely. And then give means to give up. So you're giving up power or you're giving up punishment. And so notice in English, when we say if we forgive, we are saying we completely give up power over somebody else. We completely give up punishment of somebody else because whatever they've done to us, it's gone as though it never happened in the first place. Have you ever been forgiven? Maybe by your parents who forgave you instead of punishing you. Or maybe a financial debt. You, you owed a lot of money and the company called you up or something, sent you a letter said, ah, don't worry about it. Or what about you got pulled over by a police officer. You, you know you were speeding. But that police officer said, you know what, I'm going to write you a warning. I'm going to let you go. Have you ever been forgiven? It feels good, doesn't it, to be forgiven? Well, I think Christians often take God's forgiveness of our sins for granted. We've known it for so long. We hear about it all the time. But I think we as Christians have forgotten the gravity of our sinful state before God. We are sinners, everyone. Further, as forgiven, we are to be forgivers. I know that stand is in the way, isn't it? Yeah, I see Janet down there. As forgiven, we are to be forgivers. And we are to forgive all people. If they've wronged us, we need to forgive them. Now, in this passage here and in this parable, uh, Jesus focuses on the brother. Uh, Notice again, Peter comes to Jesus, how often should my brother sin against me? And Jesus repeats that idea of brother. But don't get lost in that. You think, well, I only have to forgive fellow believers because we are to forgive anybody who wrongs us. As forgiven, we are to be forgivers. So let's look at forgiveness from this passage here. First of all, looking at the extent of forgiveness, the extent of forgiveness. Notice in verse 22, Jesus said, I don't say to you seven times, but I say 70 times seven. That means our forgiveness is to be complete. Seven is the number of completeness in the Bible. And so when we forgive, we forgive completely. Again, remember that English word I showed you? Four means completely. And so that's the idea here. Now, back in Bible times, rabbis only required forgiving somebody three times. So if somebody did you wrong, you could forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. And after that, well, who cares? But Jesus says, no, our forgiveness is to be complete seven times. Now, Jesus' math here is debatable. 
Did he mean 77 times? Or did he mean 490 times? 70 times 7. When you read it in the Greek, it's a little confusing whether he means 77 times, which by the way is double completeness, 7 the number of completeness, 77 is double completeness, or 490 times. It doesn't really matter because either way, overwhelming completeness is what's in view here. No matter how you do the math, Jesus is saying you need to forgive completely. We are to forgive and move on. That's what we're to do. We're to forgive and move on. We cannot claim to belong to God by grace while keeping a record of other people's wrongs done to us. Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I'm using the NIV here only because it actually is a better translation than the King James. But it's talking about love, but forgiveness is part of that. It says, love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And so that's why we need to forgive and move on. We don't forgive and then try to hold that over the other person. We forgive and we move on. That means we are to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. I know you don't have all day. Do you get the point? We are to forgive and forgive and forgive again. Now, when you forgive somebody, understand this. It does not mean you'll be best friends with the person that you forgive. It doesn't mean that. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you'll ever forget what they did to you. When you forgive somebody, that does not mean you approve, condone, excuse, or ignore what they did. And when you forgive somebody, that does not mean the one that you forgave will not face consequences for what they've done. But your responsibility and mine is to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Complete forgiveness. Put another way, we need to forgive others as many times as it takes. As many times as it takes, that's how often we are to forgive. Our forgiveness is to be unlimited like God's forgiveness is. Now, this requires humility on our part. You've got to swallow your pride if you're going to forgive people because we want people to come to us. We want people to come to us and beg us for mercy. We want people to come to us with an apology. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then once they come to us, then we say, oh, I forgive you. But to forgive somebody without they're approaching us. To forgive somebody without an apology, that requires humility. And let me ask you this. How dependent is your forgiveness on an apology? You say, well, I'll forgive him if he apologizes to me. I'll forgive her if she apologizes to me. How many of you, your forgiveness is dependent on an apology? It shouldn't be. Because if we are humble, we will forgive whether they ask us or not. Not only does it require humility, but it is emotionally expensive to forgive others. That means you've got to forgive the spouse that left you. You need to forgive the drunk driver who killed your child. This is tough. But my friends, forgiveness is not always easy for Christians, but it is always possible by God's grace. We can forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. I'm sure you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There is that section in there that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, forgive our sins as we forgive the sins of those who have sinned against us. Now, God has promised to forgive all of our sins. That's wonderful. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we claim that promise as believers in Jesus. But claiming that promise... We promise to forgive others. 
Again, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so we're saying, God, please forgive me. And through Jesus Christ, we claim that we are forgiven, but we also make him a promise. We're going to forgive those who've wronged us. It is the nature, not the requirement of believers to forgive others. It is our nature, our new nature. It's not a requirement that we forgive others. It is our nature to forgive others. Forgiveness is characteristic of a believer. Forgiveness is the hallmark of Christianity. Where would we be as Christians if there were no such thing as forgiveness? There'd be no Christianity. But my friends, I never want you to think that God rewards our forgiveness with his forgiveness. It almost sounds like that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It almost sounds like, well, as long as I forgive other people in my life, then God, you go ahead and forgive me. Even though it may sound that way, it may read that way, that's not what it says. Never think that God rewards our forgiveness with his forgiveness. But the bottom line, you and I are to forgive others. As believers in Christ, we are to forgive others. Here's a couple verses, Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And what about Colossians 3.13? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We are to forgive others. In response to our forgiveness from God, we are to forgive others. We are to forgive others as evidence of our relationship with God. We are to forgive others. And hear this. God's compassion toward us is not complete until it transforms our relationships with others. God's compassion towards us is not complete until it transforms our relationships with others. How so? We forgive them. And keep this in mind too. We have been forgiven more than we need to forgive. Whatever somebody has done to you, you've already been forgiven more than you're being asked to forgive. Because our sins towards God, it was an eternal debt. But no matter what somebody did to you, it's only a temporal debt. It's only for this life only. The sins that people do to us are minute when compared to the sins we commit against God. And this is something very old. You've probably seen it before, but I think it is so important. We need to keep this in mind. They call this uh, crucifixion math or salvation math, and it goes like this. One cross plus three nails equals four given. I don't care if that is old. I like it. One cross plus three nails, equals forgiven. No matter what somebody else has done to you, it is not near what you and I did to God. And he completely forgave us through Christ on the cross. So we see the extent of our forgiveness. It is to be complete. We see the extent of our forgiveness. We are to forgive as many times as it takes. But secondly, I want us to look at the example of forgiveness. The example of forgiveness. Jesus tells a parable beginning in verse 23. And I want us to look at that together. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he began to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay it all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. And so here's the example of forgiveness. There's a king who is checking up on his accounts. And one debtor owed him big. This word talent that's used here in the parable 
A talent was one of the highest denominations of money back then. It was equal to 16 years' wages. So that's a big amount of money. Then he mentions 10,000 talents. 10,000 was the highest number expressed in Greek. So when you were writing or talking in Greek, the biggest number possible was 10,000. That's why in the Bible when it talks about angels and so on, it'll say 10,000 times 10,000. But 10,000 was the biggest Greek number in that day. And so 10,000 talents could even be 60 million days of work. This guy owed big time, big time. Well, the debtor was unable to pay. And so the king says, well, I know what I'll do. I'm going to sell his entire family into slavery for payment. It won't pay me back, but at least it'll be a start. Well, the debtor then appeals to the king. He says, please don't do this. He says he gets down on his knees. He worships him. That doesn't mean he was worshiping like we think of worship. He's just on his face, on his knees, and saying, please, please, don't do this. Have mercy on me. And the king felt compassion for the man. Now, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, but the word compassion in Greek refers to an inward churning that results in outward action. So compassion is not that you just see a, a pitiful situation and you say, oh, I feel bad, and then you move on. You see a pitiful situation, you say, I feel bad, and you do something about it. Well, this king saw a pitiful situation. This man bowing before him, he had this inward churning and it resulted in outward action, which was what? He forgave him. He forgave him. His compassion generated forgiveness. Now, in this parable, the king is like God. First of all, God is king of the universe, right? Secondly, God calls for an accounting from people. Just as this king was going over his accounts, God calls for an accounting from people. You say, well, not us as believers. He doesn't, want, he doesn't account. Uh, we don't have to give account to him. Oh, yes, we do. Look here, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.10, writing to Christians, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. And God also calls for an accounting from unbelievers. We see that in Revelation 20 and verse 12. It says, I saw the dead, those are unbelievers, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so God is king of the universe, just like this king in the parable. God calls for an accounting from all people, just as this king called for an accounting. But we also know that God is compassionate, like the king was. And we know God is forgiving, like the king was. And think about this. God, the king, has completely forgiven us. God, the king, has completely forgiven us. God looked upon our hopeless condition, felt great compassion, and he acted in mercy. How so? He sent his son to die in our place. That is God, the king, looking at us in our pitiful, sinful state knowing there is nothing we could do, just like this guy, there's no way he could have repaid that debt. And God feels compassion. He feels bad for us. But remember, compassion, you feel bad, then you do something about it. And what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to die in our place. You know, most things that sound too good to be true, they are. But when it comes to God's complete forgiveness, it's not too good to be true it is absolutely true. Through Jesus Christ, God forgives us completely and totally. And in his eyes, we are even without sin. 
So the example of forgiveness, Jesus gives us a parable here. But let's think about Jesus on the cross. Jesus is hanging there on the cross. He's got nails in his wrist, nails in his feet. He's got a crown of thorns. He's got a, a spear in his side. And do you remember what he shouts from the cross, among other things? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Now, if that's not an example of forgiveness, I don't know what is. Notice that Jesus didn't wait for somebody to come ask him for forgiveness. He didn't wait for people to crowd around that cross and say an issue an apology. Jesus took the initiative. They had wronged him. They had nailed him to that cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. And when it comes to us, you know, we're, we're 3,000, or excuse me, 2,000 years after the time of Christ. He couldn't wait for us to ask for forgiveness. But he forgave us right then and right there. Let me ask you again. How dependent is your forgiveness on an apology? Yeah, we feel really powerful when somebody comes crawling to us asking for mercy. Coming to us and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, please forgive me. That makes us feel good. But how dependent is your forgiveness on an apology? Jesus did not wait for an apology. He issued it on the spot while he was dying. Let's be like Jesus. Because my friends, when we forgive, we imitate Jesus. When we forgive, we are acting like God. And so we've seen the extent of forgiveness and we've seen the example of forgiveness. But thirdly, I want us to look at the enemies of forgiveness. The first enemy of forgiveness is the one who won't forgive. The one who won't forgive. That's an enemy of forgiveness. He just won't forgive others. This person is either not a child of God or he's a disobedient child of God because the forgiven are to be forgivers. And never forget what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Those who don't forgive are not forgiven. Here it is. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Those who don't forgive themselves are not forgiven. An unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. Back to the parable. Look to verse 28. So we already learned about this one guy that owed so much money he could never possibly pay it and he's completely forgiven. Let's look what he does. Verse 28. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servants fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. The one who had been forgiven much would not forgive little. A pence is mentioned here. A pence is one day's wages. And a hundred pence was, you know, a hundred days wages, three months worth of wages. That's a big amount. But it's nothing compared to the 10,000, possibly 16 million days of work that that man had just been forgiven. And now he wants three months wages. There's no comparison between the two. This hundred pence is a pittance when compared to 10,000 talents. And notice what it says here in verse 28. It says, he took him by the throat. That means this man began to choke the guy that owed him money and he kept on choking him. There was no compassion. 
There was no forgiveness. And as it turns out, the unforgiving was himself unforgiven. The unforgiving was unforgiven. He ended up in debtor's prison. Let's read on. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said to him, oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you asked me, should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And so the unforgiving was himself unforgiven. He ended up in debtor's prison. Turns out he couldn't live long enough to pay his debt, so his sentence was unending. Those who are unforgiven will spend eternity in the prison of hell. Those who are unforgiven will spend eternity in the prison of hell. Here's something to write down. Those who refuse to forgive others will find themselves incarcerated in the prison of bitterness even more securely than those whom they would imprison by refusing to forgive. Let me say that again. Those who refuse to forgive others will find themselves incarcerated in the prison of bitterness even more securely than those whom they would imprison by refusing to forgive. My friends, forgiveness is a choice. The king chose to forgive. The servant chose not to forgive. But aren't you glad God chose to forgive you? Forgiveness is a choice. And so the enemies of forgiveness, the first one, is the one who won't forgive. The second enemy of forgiveness is the one who won't be forgiven. Even by you. You want to forgive this person, but this person will not accept your forgiveness. Jesus talks about that over in verse 15. Look at this. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he will hear you, then you've gained your brother. But notice the very next word. But if he will not hear you. And this gets into a sermon that we're going to be addressing about three weeks from now. So I'm not going to say any more about that. But the point is there are those you go to, to them and you say, I want to forgive you. And they won't accept it. They're an enemy of forgiveness. But more importantly, there are those who won't be forgiven by God. They won't accept God's forgiveness. They won't receive God's salvation. Why? Maybe, number one, because they think they're too wicked. This person will say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many times I've done it. You don't know who I did it with. There's no way God could forgive me. I'm too bad. I'm too wicked. It's not true. But there are people that believe they've been too bad to be forgiven by God. But there's a flip side to that coin. Some people think they're too wicked. Some people think they're too good. They say, you know what? I, I didn't rob any banks. I didn't kill anybody. I pay my taxes. I go to church. I support charitable causes. I'm a really good person. I don't need God's forgiveness. Yes, you do. We all need God's forgiveness. But one of the enemies of forgiveness is the one who won't be forgiven. By you, that's not a big deal, but by God. And that is a big deal because the first is forgivable. The second is fatal. If you refuse to be forgiven by God, the only thing left is for you to spend an eternity 
in a devil's hell. That's what happens to those who refuse to be forgiven by Almighty God. God wants to forgive. God has already paid the price. All we do is receive His forgiveness. But if you flat out refuse it, you've guaranteed yourself forever in hell. And so we looked at forgiveness today. Just to remind you, first of all, we looked at the extent of forgiveness. How much are we to forgive? Completely. Forgive as many times as it takes. And secondly, we look at the example of forgiveness. Jesus tells a story here, a parable, where this king forgives this guy totally. He owes more than he could ever repay. The king forgives him. But also don't forget the example of Jesus on the cross. While he was there, nailed to that tree, he says, Father, forgive them. And then thirdly, we look at the enemies of forgiveness. The one who won't forgive. And even more critically, the one who won't be forgiven. Again, if you won't accept my forgiveness, we can talk about that. We can work through it. But if you won't receive God's forgiveness, there's only one place for you, and it's called hell. Don't reject God's forgiveness. Receive it. It's already been paid for. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead, guaranteeing eternal life. Don't reject that. Receive it. And you'll be completely and totally forgiven. Amen. 77 times, 490 times. Who cares? Complete forgiveness. And it's yours for the asking. Don't reject. Receive. And Christian, you say, oh, I'm already forgiven. I already invited Jesus Christ to be I'm forgiven. How's your forgiveness? Are you forgiving others who've wronged you? Well, I will. I'm just waiting for them to come to me and, and, and issue an apology. And then I'll forgive them. Learn from Jesus, from the cross. Father, forgive them. We are forgiven. Let us forgive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we're challenged today. We're challenged not by being forgiven. We know you've already forgiven us in Christ. We know that. But it's not so easy for us to turn around and forgive others. But we pray for your grace that we would, regardless of what they've done to us, regardless of how many times they've done to us, may we issue complete forgiveness as many times as it takes. Because when we do so, we are imitating Christ. We are acting like you, God. And so we are grateful to be forgiven. May we forgive others. But there may be some here or some who are watching online and they've never received your forgiveness Give them grace to stop rejecting and start receiving your full and complete forgiveness through Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. So the invitation this morning, if you've never been forgiven, invite Jesus Christ into your heart. He'll forgive you totally. I can't forgive you. The church can't forgive you. Dave can't forgive you. Only Jesus. And Christian, you need to forgive others. It's who we are. It's what we do. You've been challenged. Now go 